You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Awesome. Hallelujah. Is someone excited to be in God's presence this morning? Do you want to put your hands together and celebrate your father? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right. Good morning, everyone joining us online as well. We're so excited to have you with us this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you. And I know God came ready for us. For those who were able to make it to the 9.30 a.m. prayer service, we had an amazing time just refreshing ourselves in God's presence. And I know that that refreshing is still ongoing, even as we settle our hearts to listen to the word this morning. So may I just ask, if you have a prayer language, just spend a few seconds just praying in the Holy Ghost. If you can pray in tongues, just pray in tongues. And if you don't yet, um, if you don't have a prayer language, can I ask that you just open up your heart and you're saying to God this morning, Father, I'm here. I am here for you. I have not come to man. I have come to the place of exchange. I have come to the place of refreshing. And I ask that you would refresh me this morning. I ask that you will pour out your spirit upon me afresh. Um, we've just listened to this song that speaks about the name of Jesus. The Bible says that there is no other name given to man by which we shall be saved. I want you to just call on the name of Jesus where you are seated. That June will deliver for you, it will deliver to you, it will deliver to your family. All that God has proposed for it to, in the name of the Lord Jesus, Mashata Ika Sindala Elanuza Bandelika Rosu Tonde Rigede Dubrosta Hazika Libronde Kesata Mikaragada Gato Sotobaya. You will not be a bystander in the divine occurrences of this month of June. That which the Father has planned, that which He has proposed to do, it will not pass you by. You will be an active participant in kingdom agenda in this month of June. Through the works of your hands, through all that you are, all that you represent, through your family. Someone needs to declare that June is a month of course correction. You may have strayed. In fact, there was a scripture that came to heart while preparing for today's service, and it's in Isaiah 30. 15, the first part of, of verse 15, and it says, in returning and in rest, you shall be saved. In returning and in rest, you shall be saved. There is someone that needs to do a course correction. Oh, that the areas where you have gone on your own strength, you have journeyed by yourself. That as you pray in the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God begins to reveal this to you. Begins to open your eyes to see where you need to course correct. The places that you have leaned on your own human understanding that you have depended on your own strength and strategies uh, you have gotten to that place where you need saving you have gotten to that place where you you, you need help 
and this month you are declaring in the name of the Lord Jesus the hand of God is mighty to save you but he's saying to you that in returning you need to return and you need to rest in me the place of rest is a place of trust it is a place of complete obedience it is a place where you exercise your faith in whom whose you are in whose you are father we thank you we give you praise have your way with us and let your name alone be glorified in jesus name amen 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 all right let's get into the word this morning first off can we celebrate the band for that beautiful song god bless you guys amen okay so um this month of June, we started a new, or we are starting a new teaching series. For those who were in church on Sunday, last week's Sunday, you would have heard Pastor Godman talk about it. And this month, we're talking about the supernatural, engaging the supernatural, you know. Yeah, yeah, please, if you're excited, go ahead and just express yourself in God's presence. Okay, so, um, right. The sound guys just try to distract me now. And I'm still learning this camera something. All right, so to, for, for this morning's uh, service, under this supernatural teaching series, we'll be talking about something that has been tagged beyond natural. While I started preparing for this, I just thought, ah, we should have given it a different title that would still have been very apt. And it is, I am not normal. I know it sounds very weird, it sounds crazy, but I'm not normal. And I'm going to say to, I'm going to dare to ask you guys to say it. If you are bold enough, say it. I'm not normal. I am not normal. Are you normal? Can you ask some of you, are you normal? That's the equivalent of asking, are you okay? But are you normal? Okay, so. We have collectively agreed that we are not normal, or some. Now, you are probably asking yourself supernatural normalcy. I'm sure you already know that in the world we live in, there are so many things that are not normal. There's a lot of abnormalities. By definition of human standards, um, when you have a government that decides to ban the use of a social media platform in an entire nation, that is not normal. But our normal is very different from their, from, our abnormality is very different from their own abnormality. Guys, please, I just encourage you, keep praying for this country. God is up to something. I know it with every hair on my body and every fiber in my being. It's, it's, it's okay, today is not for governance and politics. We will get there soon, someday, very soon. However, Keep praying. I know you, wake, you woke up that morning, probably like a lot of us, and you were just confused. Like, what's going on here? How does, how does this even make any sense? But I encourage you, just like Paul said to us, okay? He says, pray for those in authority. Pray for kings. Pray for leaders. We need to continue to pray. And when we have opportunities to take action, it is very important that we take action too. So those of you that God has been impressing on your heart, you know, to start to position for political appointments and public office, now is not the time to start to ignore such nudgings and impressions. 
Otherwise, we will keep complaining. We will keep complaining when the righteous refuse to take action. So our action is twofold. is that we pray and we act, you know, when opportunities are provided. All right, that being said, I hope nobody here is deeply hurt by the ban on Twitter. And if you are, we can have a conversation about it after service. Hopefully that's not your only source of livelihood. I hope that there are other ways that you're making money. But it just goes to show you how that God needs to do something and fix the decay in this nation. All right, so back to our abnormality, our collective abnormality, okay? The first thing that I would like to speak about in this teaching series is just to remind us of our identity. Now, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is important that we lay this foundation as that is upon which every other thing we will share this month is built. We cannot live a supernatural life if we do not know who we are. It is like a Ferrari trying to act like a Mercedes-Benz. Sometimes that's how we are. In fact, that's very fancy. A Ferrari trying to act like a Honda or a Toyota. When you don't know who you are, when you don't know the quality of the life that God has called you to live, when you have zero knowledge of the things that you are capable of, of the authority that you have been given, then you will function at a suboptimal level. That is the reality. And the interesting thing is that a lot of us are functioning at this suboptimal level because we have chosen to embrace the definition of normalcy that the world has given to us. The normalcy where we have become ashamed of who we are in Christ. The normalcy where it appears as though we are not comfortable publicly declaring our faith. The normalcy where it appears as though we are very quick to embrace the world's standards over and above the word's standard. That is the word of God. So we choose the world's way versus the word's way. We choose culture, popular culture, instead of Christ-centered living. And then we complain when we get suboptimal results. We are then very confused. But I'm a Christian. God, why is this person making progress and it looks like my life is stagnant? God, why does it look as if I'm not producing results that your word says I should be producing? Well, you need to check yourself and ask, what tools have I been engaging in living this life? What ways have I been embracing in living this life that is producing the quality that I am currently seeing? Sometimes we even try and do a mix and mash, you know, a putpuri of different things. Today we follow the world's standards and tomorrow we choose God. So it's almost as though you have a calendar in your, in your week where you choose the days that you appropriate to God and to his ways. And then when it becomes difficult, when it looks like this higher calling is really high and steep and deep, you just veer off to a more, you know, a, a more normal way of living. 
But all of that is changing in this month of June by God's grace. We will live the lives that God has called us to do. And we will live differently. Because it is so critical for us in this country that we live differently. It is so critical. That kingdom on earth, well, I mean, we, we pray and we declare, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come as it is in heaven. What does the kingdom represent? What does the kingdom way of life look like? So in just speaking to our identity as God's children, the first thing is that we need to understand that we're, man is a tripartite being. So man exists in three dimensions, the body, the soul, and the spirit. If you've been in life point maybe a few week, months now, you may have heard Demilade share with us you know, um, on the spirit parts of man. And, and he gave a very graphic description of what that looks like in one of the days that he was um, defining Christian words to us. So part of what we try to do is to define some of the words that we throw around in Christendom, just for the benefit of people who are just coming into the faith, uh, or you've been here a while, but you've just never understood what those words mean. So the threefold nature of man, spirit, soul, and body. With your body, you engage you interact with the earth, you know, with others, with, with the earthly dimension. With your spirit, you engage with God. With your soul, your soul is the seat of your intellect. It is the seat of your emotions. You engage with your world as well. But all of these three actually come together and they, they, they form, you know, the, the you that you are. However, what we do oftentimes is we suppress the dimension, the, the spirit dimension, and we utilize our body and our soulish realms in making decisions, in engaging our world, you know, because we don't want to be spooky, you know, we don't want to be the Christian that people are running away from. I mean, and I completely understand that. We grew up with some of them, and they just don't make Christianity look attractive to you as a way of life. You know, and so we have then decided to come to the extreme where it's like we just show it when it's cool to be Christian. So when I'm in church, when I'm with Christian friends, or when I'm at the club, or when I'm with, I don't know, whoever, or when I'm at work, I just suppress it, you know. But we need to redefine that. You and I, we need to redefine that. So I'll make a confession. When I sit at an interview panel for recruitment and someone comes in and the first thing they go, maybe I say to them, good morning, how are you today? Oh, I'm very well, thank you, praise God. I've already knocked you off like minus one or two points in my mind. And then I ask you a question, just stuff bothering on comp uh, technical competency you know, your ability, your, your ability to be able to do the work for which you have come. And you launch off and you start to tell me your salvation story. Or you start to tell me how God, you know, came through for you at your previous job. Or how your boss was, you know, I promise you, you have already shut down before you go far. And I probably would shut you down in, in the course of that conversation. But that's the reality of the world that we live in, you know. Where we have Christians who think it's okay to... Not be skillful, but to be prayerful. But that's not what we're talking about. When we say we are not normal, that is not the kind of abnormality we're talking about. Bible speaks about David, I think it's in Psalm 78, and he would say of him, 
that God chose him because of the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hands. God is in the business of utilizing skillful people. So Christianity is not about, oh, just name it and claim it or believe it and be dumb and stupid and do not have any. No, absolutely not. In fact, if you are familiar with the scriptures, you would see when God was going to instruct the construction of the temple and, and things like that, he would say that I have anointed Bezalel and Aholiab, you know, I, I, they, are, they are gifted men filled with the spirit of God in certain craftsmanship. So those guys, were, they, they were anointed specifically for the work that God would have them do. And I believe that is the same thing for each and every one of us. That we have been gifted and we are anointed to be able to carry out certain things on the face of this earth. To be able to solve certain types of problems. There are some problems that have your name stamped on it. There are solutions that have your name, that have your company's name on it. But what has happened is we have forgotten the need to be skillful, to improve on our art, you know. And we have focused so much on the power dimension that we forget that the wisdom of God is also available and needful for us to be able to live an optimal, productive, fruitful life. And that is the life that God is calling us to. So when we say we are not normal, it is that the presence, the indwelling presence of Jesus in us should produce certain fruits, should show we should begin to manifest and function in certain dimensions that are not ordinary. But a lot of us have settled for just ordinary because we don't want to be seen as, you know, spooky or mystical. In fact, if I do a quick search now and I said to you guys, okay, let's, let's attempt to define the word supernatural in one word. What word jumps out at you when you hear supernatural? Talk to me, everyone. Yeah? Sorry? Beyond natural. Okay, yes, that's the title for today's sermon. Yeah, somebody said extraordinary. Extraordinary, thank you. No, what, what comes to your mind when you hear supernatural? Yeah? Mysterious, okay? Yeah, anyone else? One more, one more. I remember listening to the guys, um, the, the anchors online, and it says stranger things. You know, when you think of stranger things for Netflix people, you remember the likes of paranormal activity and all that interesting stuff. But that is a dimension of supernatural, the miraculous. However, this morning, and in the course of this entire month, we're going to be breaking down and distilling all of this, the entire concept of supernatural. We'll be talking about the anointing, you know. So guys, you really don't want to miss church this month. But for today, beyond just the miraculous, there is something important that we also need to um, dwell on a bit. So I've spoken about the threefold nature of man, and then at new birth, when sin came, and we got disconnected from God, and then Jesus came, you know, he was offered up as a sacrifice, reconciled us to God, we became new. We, you know, we, we, we received new birth, we received new life. We received the nature of God, and going forward, Christ lives in us. So as, as at the time you declared that Jesus is Lord, and you invited him into your heart, and you surrendered your old ways, Christ has begun to indwell you. But recall what I said. We take the indwelling presence of, of Jesus in us 
we take it with levity. That is why it appears as though the church is losing its power. It appears as though, you know, Christians are not the wisest. It appears as though the children of the world still remain smarter than the children of light. So the new birth brings the nature of God into all the realms of our existence as human beings. So remember the three realms that I mentioned, your spirit, your soul, and your body. The new nature of God that we have received is manifest in those three realms. And the spiritual transformation at the point of salvation, it has the potential and the power to affect your entire life. Now, the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the first part, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. All things have become new. And it's possible that someone is seated here listening to me and you're like, yes, I gave my heart to Jesus a few uh, years ago, but I'm still struggling with this area of my life. I'm still struggling with sin. I'm still masturbating. I'm still, you know, having sex. I'm still, you know, and I expected that because I have come to, I'm now saved. Automatically, these things should have fallen away. These desires should have, you know, died. And what I would say to such a one is this. Now, when we get saved, for some people, it is an instant process. Those vices drop off. I've heard people testify that, yes, they got saved, and all of a sudden, all those things that they used to desire before just began to irritate them. I've heard such testimonies. Some of us were not as lucky. Let me not, say, let me not use the word luck. But some of us, God had to take us through a process so there are certain vices you're currently dealing with now, but you are not ready to stay. Jesus will speak about himself as being, you know, the vine and his father, the vine dresser. Any branch that does not produce fruit, what does he do to it? What does the vine dresser do? He cuts it off. But any branch that produces fruit, what does he do? He prunes. Some of us do not want to be pruned. We do not want to submit ourselves to the process. We want the outcomes. We want the eventual outcome, which is a transformed life. But we are not ready to sit and follow through with the process of transformation. So, just still on um, our identity. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us. And by default, if you were in church in the last two or so weeks, you would have heard us speak about, you know, uh, the indwelling presence of God uh, and how that the Holy Spirit, God the Father and God the Son are all together and they work to ensure that we, as God's children, we live better and we are transformed. When Christ indwells our hearts by faith, the Holy Spirit automatically is in us. He's a part of our existence, but we don't make room for him oftentimes, and so we struggle. I would like for us in the course of this month to do two things. The first is that you would take time for the one that is interested in living the supernatural life. You will take time and go and search out all the scriptures that has to do with in him, so in Christ, in him. And one that comes to mind is, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Go and search out everything that has to do with in him. 
every scripture. You find them in the book of John, some are in the book of Ephesians, and I think Colossians. You know, you will find them just in a lot of the uh, Pauline epistles, where Paul boldly speaks to our identity, who we are. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. So go and search out the in him scriptures and meditate on them. That's one. Then number two is that you attempt to study the book of Acts. You see, the guys in, in the early church, the, the disciples and the apostles there, they lived differently. They lived differently because they understood the power dimension. They understood what it meant to have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. They knew who they were, so much so that they were not the ones having to testify of themselves. People were testifying of them. People were seeing them, seeing the quality of the lives that they lived, seeing the output, seeing the dimensions in which they manifested and could clearly say that these ones have been with Jesus. So take out time this month. If you're looking for, I mean, it's a new month. If you're looking for what to study, study the book of Acts and just see how God you know, revealed himself through this man, ordinary men. And that's the thing with the supernatural life. Sometimes we expect that it is an end life. We think, oh, it's only for the pastors. It is only for those who are maybe pastors and pastor's kids. You know, maybe those who have decided to go into ministry, those who want to stand on the pulpit and minister. For me, that's not it. I don't have any such desires, so I'm okay. I'm okay to be normal. I don't want to be abnormal like you all. No, absolutely not. God would use the ordinary man whose heart is submitted to him. The one whose life, who, who's yearning for more of him, who desires, you know, to have God manifest through him. And when I speak about manifestations now, I am not speaking only about the miraculous. I am speaking about manifestations in everyday life. That is in your place of work, being a solutions provider. You know, being that kind of person that they are stuck in, 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 the, in the IT team and they're like, when we're having a strategy session, can we pull in this person? She always has bright ideas. She just always knows what to do. Where your bosses are calling you and asking, what do you think? So we have this board presentation next week. I'd like you to do a deep dive for me and let's, let's, you know, let's just knock heads together on this particular matter. Where you are the one being sought out, ordinary men, but living extraordinary lives. That is the life God has called us to. So he's not waiting for you to go to Bible school. No, before he can, you know, manifest himself through you. Absolutely not. He wants us to reflect his God colors in this earth. He wants us to diffuse his fragrance, the fragrance of his knowledge. How will people come to know him if you are mom and if your life isn't producing results and you say you belong to him? How well of an ambassador are you if you are not representing him? So the supernatural life, in summary for me, I would describe it as the effect of the indwelling presence of Christ. Whether it is in the power dimension, whether it is in the wisdom dimension, whether it is in the quality of life that we live, it is the effect of the indwelling presence of Christ in us. The effect of Christ in you is a big deal. So you see, when, when Paul will say, Christ in us, the hope of glory, it is everything. 
Because that is the life that we have been called to live. Okay, so I'm going to read a scripture very quickly from Matthew 13. And it says, so they were offended at him. That's verse 57. But Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. Now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. That is the part I want us to focus on. Jesus could not do mighty works, many mighty works in his hometown because they did not believe. Now, why did they not believe? They did not believe because sea finish had entered the matter. They were over-familiar. Jesus, Joseph's son, that carpenter boy, how, you know? Just thinking about the scripture, I said I was going to do, where is Falabi? I said I was going to do. I was going to do something to Paul Abbey. Well, not, sorry, not do something to him. Just get him to share. But I would free him. But just, let me still use Paul Abbey. Paul Abbey, I'm sorry. I love you. But I don't have any other um, example right now. So, Paul Abbey Noel, Grammy Award winning singer, music producer, director, songwriter, you know, give it up. Aha. And Paul Abbey gets on stage, collects his Grammy you know, and I'm just there by the corner there in my dress, just I will, I will follow him for that Grammy. <laughs> I will follow him. Very long list. Myself and Pia, we are the first set of people. After his parents, we're on that list. Anyway, but, and then Falabi starts to give thanks to God or whatever, you know. But before, this is that he has collected his Grammy. Backtrack a few years before he got the Grammy. When he was still singing here on Life Point stage and worshiping, and you know, we're just all loving him, loving God through his ministry. And Falabi goes home. FYI, Falabi is not born and bred in Lagos. I think he's, I think he, I think he, he, he migrated from Abel Kuta, I believe. From Harvard. It is well with you. Anyway, he goes home to his parents' church. You all are here where Falabi's ministry and you're just lifting up your hands and just crying and having a moment with God. But Falabi gets to his parents' church and the pastor grudgingly says, oh yeah, come and lead us in worship. We heard that you're leading worship in Lagos. Come and lead us in worship. And half the church cannot connect because all they are seeing is Mr. and Mrs. I was going to say Mr. and Mrs. Noel's son. But Mr. and Mrs. Fagbe, me son. Omo Fagbe, me koni yeni. Ah. We have been singing sulfur notations before he was born. I changed his diaper. What does he mean by he's telling us that uh, we, have, we are not, uh, our music is not, what, you know? So I'm just trying to give you an insight into how people would have reacted. And it's very easy for us to judge these guys. Honestly, we all read this part of the scripture with our noses turned up. How dare they? Do they not know who my Jesus is? If you were... In that time and age, on which side would you be? Would you be on the side of the, you know, Bible says he could not do many mighty works, which means he did a few. Would you be on the side of the guys where he did the few mighty works? Or you will be on the side of the guys where he could not do any works because of their own belief. They couldn't connect. It is very easy to say we would all be on the side of the few. But translate that into your current life and reality. 
Are there ways that you and I are currently trivializing the indwelling presence of Christ in our lives? And I want us to think about it. Think about your life. Think about the works of your hands. Think about your circumstances. Think about your relationships. Just think about everything in one breath. Are there ways that you and I are currently trivializing the indwelling presence of Christ in us? Because Jesus was with them then. But the difference is now he isn't here with us physically, but he indwells our hearts by faith. He indwells our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So how are we trivializing that presence in our lives? How are we turning up our noses? How have we become too familiar? How have we begun to lose the wonder? You know, the wonder of the faith that we've received. The wonder, you, you know how you felt when you got saved for the very first time? You know, so in love, like nothing could go wrong. And in fact, you felt like you were levitating. What is that looking like for you in your current reality? Have we become too familiar? Because you see, when you become too familiar, you cannot experience the supernatural. No, you can't. When you trivialize the presence of the Spirit of God in you, you cannot experience the supernatural. And it will consistently continue to look like a life of struggle. So, the life of God within you guarantees the presence of God, the wisdom of God, and the power of God. Christ has been made unto us the wisdom and the power of God. There is a limit to what you can do by yourself. So you see all those fancy dreams and aspirations you have about transforming this country, about, you know, fixing stuff, about creating stuff. There is only so much you can do by and in of yourself or in and of yourself, yeah. There is only so much you can do with your wisdom and your strength. You know, while just even preparing, the, the, the picture that I was seeing you, is, and this is not body shaming, God uh, forgive me guys, if it's not at all. But you know some of us, we are outwardly very good looking, you are very buffed, you know, you don't miss your gym appointments, your hair, for the women, your edges are intact, you know, very intact. Somebody said very important, yes. Your hair, you don't miss your hair appointments. Your Mac and your Mary Kay on point. Outward appearance, you look like nothing can go wrong. But in the spirit, eh, you look like a toddler. And it's not a shade or a soap or anything like that. What is the reality? See, Bible says that bodily exercise profits little. It means that there's some profiting with bodily exercise. So this is not to say, oh, don't go to the gym or don't make an attempt to look good or anything like that. Absolutely not. Please, you need to because you have to represent God and you have to represent him well. So it's not that. It is that we are focusing on what is not as important. Because when you expend energy on looking a certain way, on, when you focus so much on just outward appearance, I want to look good, pepper them gang, kill them, finish them, them, their father, and that is all that is driving you. You want to wear brands from Uncle Ralph to Uncle Salvatore to Uncle Carl. That's all that they know you. I mean, some of us just even need to think about it. So your friends know you as the brand somebody, our brand gang. 
What do they know you as in heaven? What are you known for? What are you known for? See, this month, we are all going to grow together. We don't have a choice. So we'll say, it, we'll say the hard things because we must speak the truth. But what are you known for? Meanwhile, you see some people, just simple, okay, yes, they may even still be brand gang or whatever, whatever. But in the spirit, please give me the name of a wrestler or someone really, you know. Uh-huh. That person she said, I don't, know who, <laughs> I don't know who that is. Because if you ask me, the last time I watched wrestling was in the days of Hulk Hogan. So that is the only person I'll be able to refer. Hulk Hogan and uh, in, what's the other one? The, uh-huh. the Rock. Okay, let's use The Rock. In the spirit realm, they look like The Rock. Spiritually on point and on fire for God. And they may look like this, very tiny on the outside. But don't mess with them. Meanwhile, you with your buff, you with your beard, you with, and this is no shade to the bearded ones in the house. You with your wig, let me make it balance. You with your, you know, your 500k hair. Bone straight. They are the ones, you are the one that is being chased in dreams. They are chasing me. A rat is chasing me. I've been seeing a rat for three days in my house. I don't know. Your house is filthy. Go clean it up. Well, let's even focus on the dream part. They are chasing me in dreams. I don't know. They're always bringing food to me to eat. Ah, I remember one of my good friends. There was a time, you know, God help us. God needs to deliver us. Ah, I'm just remembering. Ah, I hate religion. Oh, Jesus. I hate religion. Because sometimes it puts us in bondage. Not even sometimes, all the time. And I remember just growing up. Somebody's chuckling because I'm sure they can, they can relate. Just hearing certain things. I'm like, what kind of life is this? Is it supposed to be a Christian? I must fast and pray because I don't want to be chased in the night. I don't want to have dreams. I don't want to eat something. Oh, God. And you know, the things our parents did for us, they did out of love. I love my parents for exposing me to certain things. But those things, I think they did a bit more harm for me than good. I remember when my father was going to, so, you know, dinner time, we always pray together. In fact, we pray before every meal, there's a process. After somebody has led the prayers, then we then say, bless this food, O Lord, for Christ's sake. And when we're done eating, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, mommy. Thank you, daddy. That was the process. You know, so of course, there's a way you can just go through that mechanically. And then, maybe you're about to have a snack on your own. Just on your own, no. You're watching TV, you're about to have a snack. Or somebody, you know. And you forget to pray. In, I mean, I was, of course, this was when we were still children. And my father would go, you did not pray. I did not say, but can't I pray in my heart? No, you say it out. You have to speak to it. And so one day, they went to visit a, uh, some family. They went to visit family friends. And then they came back home with a, that, that, those, <laughs> I'm about to expose my age. But that period, we, I mean, it's VHS we watch. There were obviously no CDs or anything like that. So the cassette player, then they came back with it. They, they came back with a video. And my parents were like, oh, no, they called us very excitedly. You have to watch this thing. We just left our X and Y's um, house now. And we saw this movie there. Of course, it's a Mount Zion movie. Hello. So... And this was me that I had not gotten over Agbaranla. I don't know how many people ever saw Agbaranla. Oh boy, I am a tanga. Uh, you know, so 
I mean, they then bring home this video, and we sit and we start to watch, and it's just long and boring, and I'm like, okay, yeah, don't, don't worry, we're almost there, we're almost there. When we eventually got to where they wanted us to get to, it was where one boy whose stepmother had poisoned his food, and so the boy blessed the food before he ate. And then you know Nigerian home video, you then see the poison disappearing, oh. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's say my father. And of course, one hour lecture entered after that, just that scene. They paused it and then they told us, you see, this is how people die. You see what that boy did? Busola, that boy is not older than you. How do you know he's not older than me? Were you the, are you the casting director? Is it, is it you that recruited him, you know? But I know they did all those things in love. I teach my kids now to pray. But I don't teach them to pray out of fear of they can be killed. No. It's to pray from a place of authority, knowing who they are in Christ. There's a difference. You know? So, I mean, just, there's so much that we have been fed. And part of what we're going to be doing this month is just debunking the myths. You, you are here and you've been told, some of you sleep with your Bibles under your pillow. Ha! See, God help me, because I'm not about to come and, to, to come and destroy some uh, age-long doctrines that you have been introduced to by your parents. But let me say this to you. It's okay to sleep with your Bible under your pillow. Wherever you want to put your pillow, it's your, it's your Bible. It's your personal property. Ha. But you see, the word, if it does not enter your mouth, and it does not mix with faith in your heart, you can sleep with 10 Bibles under your pillow. If they want to chase you, village people want to come out, they will still come after you. Because there's nothing that is, we are not going to pull out that Bible, wield it under your pillow and use it to word. Mm -mm. It is the word inside. In fact, the scripture, if you search through the scriptures, well, you'll see where it would refer to the word not being of effect. Some people are even speaking it, but it's, it is empty. It's vain words that they're speaking because it's not being mixed with faith in their hearts. So you've got to take that word, meditate on it, chew it, regurgitate it, activate the faith, speak it. That is when it will work. The word works, guys. I am a product of the word working. The word sure works. So you have got to know the word. You've got to know the word for yourself. It is not enough to come to church, spend these 45 minutes, listen to BWS or listen to any of the other pastors. Go Monday to Sunday. The next time you engage with the word is the next time you're back in church. That is not the life we've, called to, we've been called to live. That is a normal life. The abnormal life we've been called to live is the life where we sit with the word. We know God's thought and heart for us. We spend time in prayer. We prioritize spiritual disciplines. That is the life we have been called to live. All right. So, two things in supernatural lifestyle. There is the supernatural living and there is supernatural acts. Supernatural living is the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. That's an evidence of supernatural living. Remember I said something earlier, that it's not just focusing on the miraculous. That is not just it. Where we want to heal the sick and raise the dead, that is great. But let me show you what a supernatural lifestyle looks like. Just in case you're like, well, do I have to heal the sick and raise the dead? It's great. But you see, what is more important, and we see it in the scriptures, what is priority to God is that you have a heart and a character change. Okay? That the fruit of your regenerated spirit, that is the spirit of God having worked upon you, renewing your mind, 
improving your character, you are beginning to produce fruits like love. Our world is so devoid of love. There's a lot of unkindness. I mean, all these security issues we're having, or insecurity issues, all these kidnappings, killings, ritual, it's all hatred. It's just, there's a lot of wickedness and unkindness. Now, you may be feeling to yourself, but I'm not killing nobody. I didn't kidnap nobody. But my question to you is, what is your love tank looking like? What is the level of your love tank? Are you living in unforgiveness? Are you living in bitterness? Before we start to talk about healing the sick and raising the dead, let us talk about your love walk. What is that looking like? Do you care for people? Do you genuinely care for people? Or are you so engrossed in your own issues and your own challenges that it really doesn't matter? You can't be bothered. See, God will say something to Abraham. He says that he will bless him. He will, be a, he will make him a blessing. And through him, the families of the earth will be blessed. God is very much concerned about people who will represent him here on earth. Who will be his hands and his feet and his voice. People who he can commit the earth's resources into their hands. Because he knows that they will use it for the good of mankind. And so you wonder, but there's some guys who are not... They don't know Jesus, but they're so filthily rich. You know, one of the things that I did um, a few years back was I took out time to study the, the vision and the mission statements of certain companies that have existed for decades. And when you, when, when you study their business architecture, you study their vision and their mission statement, you see it's about people. Those kind of people, they don't have to be the premier leading organization in Africa to be the first and the foremost it is usually embedded um, you know it's, it's embedded around the problems they want to solve for people that's what speaks first it doesn't mean that they're not making profits or cleaning out all, but it gives you an idea as to their longevity why they have been able to build such a legacy and have existed till date so you and I want to control Earth's resources. We want God to commit Earth's resources into our hands. But all we are concerned about is just ourselves. We're not thinking about people. See, when God would give uh, Moses the Ten Commandments, the first half of the, those commandments were just man-to-man -man relationship, how to behave with others, how to treat others, how to be kind to others. And then the other part of it was God, us and God. So that says to you something. God is love. He's the embodiment of love. You cannot say you know God and you live a life that is devoid of love. You live a life where you are consistently bitter, angry, unforgiving towards others. That is not the life you have been called to live. So to be abnormal, it might be the norm in our generation. It might be the norm to cancel people. They offend you, you've canceled them. They've done something that you have exed them. And I'm not saying that you should not become a mumu and the people that are, you know, out to destroy you or finish you, you know, they're just some cantankerous, toxic relationships. I'm not advocating that because you love them, you stay there. But what does Jesus say to, to do? Guys, we have to see this life we've been called to. Eh? We will model Jesus' lifestyle. And I know, hey, it's hard. Hey, Jesus is perfect through and through. Yes. But that's why we have the Holy Spirit. And I promise you, I'm not speaking as one who's gotten it all. 
Absolutely not. I'm work in progress. I'm also learning. I'm practicing these things. But you see, Jesus will say to us, he says, bless those who curse you. We want to curse out those who are cursing us. He says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. We want revenge. I don't know. Let me not. I mean, I have been there. You all may be more spiritual than I am, but I have been in that place where I wanted to see the revenge enacted. When God would even say to me, the host would say, the battle is the Lord. Leave it. I've left it all. But God, I'm still checking because that revenge, I would like for it to, I would like to be a witness. Exactly. Give feedback. You know? But to, the, to what end? It hurts. And I know it hurts when God says to turn your back on someone as in, just turn your back on an offense and let it go. Ah, it hurts a lot. Especially when you have been badly hurt. But guess what? One of the strategies that the Holy Spirit gave me to deal with unforgiveness is to pray for the people I'm offended against. And it is such a healing process. Because guess what happens? When you are praying for them, it looks like it is them you are blessing and your heart, you are just bleeding and you are hurt and you are offended. And you are like, God, I, it's not making sense. This person hurt me badly. And you are asking me to pray. But God starts to work on your hearts. Because remember, your soul, you would only prosper to the extent of the prosperity of your soul. So if your soul is not in a great place, you will struggle in every other area of your life. And it is important for God that he fixes you from inside out. And so when you spend time praying for people that have offended you, you know, what happens is that the Holy Spirit starts to work on your heart and your heart starts to suffer. You cannot spend time in prayer, guys, and remain the same. If you have, then it means you've been doing it wrong. As if you have been praying and you're like, nothing has changed in my emotional state towards, you know, the people that I'm offended. No. See, God will break you because what you're doing is what I can do in my power, I have refused to do in my wisdom. The Bible says that the meek shall inherit the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth. The meek are those who, sub, you know, they, they, they suspend what it is that they can do in the power that they have. So you have the power to put someone behind bars, for example, and you choose not to. I don't know what the offense would be, but you decide to forgive and to let go. And God would then reward you. Oftentimes what we want is a reward that comes from the place where we have sown, you know, where we have given, where we have been hurt. We want to get reward from there. But that's not how God works. For as long as we have submitted our lives to him and we're saying, Lord, you know what, make of us what you will, then we've got to let him work in us. Remember, pruning, he needs to work in us so we become better, okay? So, the um, lifestyle, the supernatural living is, I do not know, okay, if somebody was um, mystical now, say this one is from the devil. <laughs> anyway, the manifestation of the, of the fruit of the Spirit, please go and study Galatians 5.22, and you see that love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. These are the things. The Bible says that against these ones, there is no wrong. If you're not growing in character 
and you are saying, I want to be raising the dead. I want to be healing the sick. You want gifts. You want to prophesy. You want to, you know, uh, give words of wisdom, words of knowledge. You, you, you want the gifts. The gifts are great. But before the gifts, can we work on ensuring that our regenerated spirit is producing fruits that are in alignment with the life of Christ, with the life that we have been called to model, okay? So the love of God in our hearts, obviously, is shared by the Holy Spirit. Now, the wisdom of God, remember, Christ has been made to us the power and the wisdom of God. So the wisdom of God is resident in us as God's children. It is a supernatural thing not to be stranded. When we are thinking the lifestyle of, you know, a supernatural lifestyle, an abnormal lifestyle, it is the lifestyle where you are not stranded. It's the lifestyle where you know what to do. And you know what to do because you are in alignment with the one that is leading you. You are in alignment with the good shepherd. Jesus wasn't stranded. If you ever thought Jesus was stranded, even the times when they set him up, there was always a way of escape. He knew what to say to them part time. Even the times when, you know, he had to pay tax, he brought it forward. He brought it out. He was never stranded. And we should not be stranded as his children. So sometimes we are nearing a place where we need to make a decision. It's almost as though we're at a T-junction. And we're asking questions. God, what's up? What's happening here? You sit with the Holy Ghost. You sit with the Word. And you ask for direction. And it will come. Because you have got to believe that God will do what he says he will do. And so when he says that I will not leave you nor forsake you, he will not. But you cannot be thinking in your heart, will God come through? Will he not? Will he? Will he not? Will he? No. That is a life of, of doubting. And that is not the life we've been called to. We have got to stay in that place where we believe that God will show up. And he's never late. And I thought someone would say an amen to that. Because whatever it is you're trusting him for, no matter how long it is you've been believing him for, he is never late. He will show up for you. Amen. Now, supernatural acts, the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 12. Knowing that the power of God resides in me. And as such, I can lay my hands on the sick and they will recover. I can pray in agreement with someone who is believing God for something and it will happen as at God's own time. That I believe that the things, these gifts that I desire, I mean, Paul would say to us, earnestly desire these gifts. But above all, remember love. Because the gifts that you desire, if it is to be consumed on your own self, if it is for you to flex, you know, just show muscle, I am there, it's me, I've come. That is a misappropriation of the gifts. It's a misappropriation. And in Christianity today, a lot of us are misappropriating the gifts. We are misappropriating the gifts that the God has given to us. So we need to, in returning and in rest, remember that scripture I shared that I said is for some, I suspect it's for all of us. In returning, the areas that we have misappropriated, the areas we have misused the gifts of God upon our lives, where we have consumed it on self and on flesh, you see, I was studying scripture and one of my mentors was sharing, um, I can't remember where it is now, someone should help me, the story of Jesus, uh, um, his temptation, when Jesus got tempted. And Satan would come and say to him, if you are the son of God, 
turn these stones into bread. If you go into somewhere in First Peter, you see where, you know, those stones, stones are referred, the Bible refers to living stones, and living stones are you and I, believers. So it got me thinking that are there ways that those of us that have been called to function in certain offices, you know, that have called, God has graced us to, to, to function in certain areas, are beginning to turn living stones into bread. That's not for everybody, but catch it if it's yours. Where you are taking living stones, where you are beginning to use people, and that happens a lot in Christianity, where we start to use people under the guise of we are being placed over them. That is, like I said, it's not for everybody. However, in your place of work, the people that God has placed in your care as your team members, if you have begun to use them for your selfish, self-centered purpose, you are beginning to turn stones into bread. Think about it. All right, so, the supernatural, three myths that exist, and I'm going to run through this very quickly because I've spoken um, about them in some shape or form. Debunking myths, what the spirit, supernatural is not. The first is the supernatural is not the superstitious. So, all black cats are witches, or witches occupy black cats. My question is, if witches occupy black cats, why don't they occupy white ones or cream ones? Is, there, is it because they are black? They say they are white witches, they say they are black witches. Anyway, but some of us grew up on this, all this information. For those of you who were spared the trauma, I rejoice with you. Owls are evil. O-W-L. Owls are evil. How many people agree owls are evil? <laughs> witches operate at night. Bats are evil. Guys, I remember one time. <laughs> Lord have me. Have mercy. One time I was I mean I was a child and our living room door was open at night. We we're watching TV or whatever. I can't remember. Uh, we have a lot of trees in my compound then, because you know, there was some or there was a parcel of land that was also being used for like agriculture and stuff. And a bat flies into my, into our living room. Oh God. And my parents, my dad, my mom, what? Lock the door. He's not going out. <laughs> eh, you have entered the wrong place. We have drawn the bloodline on top of this battle. Of course, with all that drama, my son and my sisters were cringing in fear. Like, hey, Jesus, the enemy has entered. Demon. They killed this bat, carried it out, poured anointing oil, <laughs> set it ablaze, <laughs> prayed over the ash. <laughs> Guys, I grew up later and I asked myself, but bats are blind, <laughs> right? They said they don't see at night or whatever, they don't see during the day or something. I mean, they're sure blind, sure. is it that they're blind during the day? Uh -huh. Either ways, whether it was really a demonic bat, we shall thank God for victory then. But my point is this. What are your, your own spider? Your, your flying, flying roach. But there's something that you have that you have been sold. It's some mystery that you have been sold. Would you today 
Just reposition yourself and realign and stand on the authority of whose you are. It is so important. You've got to stand and function from a place of authority, not from a place of fear, okay? So, the supernatural is not the superstitious. Superstition is a belief or practice resulting from ignorance, fear of the unknown, trust in magic or chance, or a false conception of causation. That's a dictionary definition. So all that is mysterious is not supernatural. Absolutely not. And the fact that you cannot explain it does not necessarily make it supernatural. Okay? But more importantly, those, those belief systems that we have, that we grew up on, that we've been fed, I pray deliverance and liberty, freedom in your minds today in Jesus' name. All right. Uh, the supernatural is not the spooky Masquerades, grotesque images, complex and mysterious languages, and bizarre procedures or rituals. See, I find that sometimes if they say to you, oh, that contract you want, why don't you um, just jump backwards three times, turn around four times, hop on one leg two times, and just roll your butt five times? and you will get it. See guys, let's not lie. A lot of us, we want, we'll go that way. Because it, is easy, it appears easier to do than to just stay and trust God and declare the word and own what is rightfully yours. It appears easier. But unfortunately, the world that we live in is such a dark place. And I said uh, maybe two Sundays back about different things that people do to get far in life. I don't know how many of you saw some um, social media, I think it was on IG, some fine girl that was marketing some packages. I don't know how many of you remember. Marketing packages for getting people's husbands and for locking down your husbands. What did you call it? Well, that thing they said, yeah. You're, you know, you, you guys are wearing masks, so it's muffled. I'm not hearing clearly. Anyway, but that thing, yeah. And her diamond package or whatever. But, <laughs> I mean, all of us shouted, oh my God, how is this even possible? Is it not because it came to light? It's just a representation of what's going on behind the scenes. And you see, all the men in the house, you guys are, you guys are amazing, you guys are blessed. But when you see women like that, and you, you are going in your humaneness with your big chest, and your six-pack, and your beard, and you're, you are tall, dark, and handsome, and you fall prey to someone like that. I mean, why would you? Why? See, Bible says, Bible says, be fruitful, multiply. Replenish the earth, subdue it. You see, God gave us power over every other thing, but God did not give us power over one another. You are not to dominate man. We have not been called to dominate ourselves. Absolutely not. So when you are in a place where you are in a relationship because you have gone in your bigness, your natural bigness, and you are a toddler in the spirit, and one girl with big breasts and fine hair, she has, just go, she has gone to do package for you. May the Lord deliver you. You better shine your eyes and walk as a spirit man. Act 
activate your spirit man so you don't fall prey to all these nonsense. And women too, it's the same thing for us. We are not exonerated. Let me not, let me not look like a king for the men today. We are not. Some of us are friends with them. Some of us have even visited places too in order to lock down someone. May God break every bondage that you have put anybody into. And every man who has been put in bondage, I declare freedom over you in the name of Jesus. Recharge your spirit, man, guys. That's the summary of it. Recharge your spirit, man. <laughs> Lastly, the supernatural is not the stupid. Okay? So you see the likes of the seven sons of Sceva, where they thought they could also do what Paul and the other apostles had done. And the demon beat them, basbos, whipped them. We know these other people. Who are you? And that's the same question. Who are you in the spirit? You want to take your place and fight? In the spirit. See, your battle is not carnal. It's not going to point your nose at somebody or calling somebody out on social media. You fight on your knees, guys. On your knees. In your secret place. You fight on your knees. In, your, in the secret place. In the secret place. Okay? So, there was a story of some man several years back. I don't know how many of you know about it. But the guy, obviously, thought that he was the next Daniel that God has sent to this world and decided that he was going to go into the university of Ibadan, the zoo there to go and have a daniel moment with the lions let's just say he did not come out alive he did not come out so the supernatural is not stupid see these three things you need to be mindful of as we go along on this journey first your identity in christ the second thing is your faith because that is the foundation for which every power that you will produce, is, it will emanate from, okay? And it's also closely tied to your identity because our identity is, is a function of the faith that we have. And then the third thing is understanding the operations of the Holy Spirit in your life. You have got to understand how the Holy Spirit works. You have got to know him and know him for yourself. All right? So I know I said the last thing, but this is the very last thing, I promise. Three things, three big thoughts for walking in the supernatural. First, Develop a Christ-centered identity, which I have spoken extensively about. The second is to express your faith in God. See, God is calling us, and there are some of us here in returning. He's calling you. He's calling you, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to just answer that call again. You've strayed from him. You've not understood his ways. You've gotten confused. You've gotten mixed up in stuff you shouldn't be mixed up in. He's calling you. He's extending his arms of love out. And he wants you to come in so he can wrap you up in. He loves you. Regardless of where you have been, what you have been, whatever, God loves you. God loves you. Okay? So, under the expression of our faith, I want to leave you guys with this thought. What is your biggest prayer presently in your current phase? What is that thing you're talking to God about? What is your biggest prayer? And if you think about it very deeply, if your biggest prayer right now is, let me see, is money or maybe a job, those are not bad things. It's just that I'm going to ask that you please sit with the Holy Spirit and understand what is on the Father's heart a bit more. Just understand it a bit more, okay? All right, so the last thing... Um, obedience to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So identity, your faith, and the Holy Spirit. That is how you live, live a supernatural life. 
you recognize that with God, all things are possible. All right. And the negative supernatural is as real. All those package people, they are as real as us, you and I. See, Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The mistake we make oftentimes is we think that our fight is in the flesh. We think that the person we are seeing who is victimizing us at work is the person we have a battle against at all. It is the spirit that is in operation in their life that you have a, a war against. We don't hate people, but sometimes people are influenced. People are wrongly influenced. People submit themselves. The way we are submitting ourselves to be used by God is the way some people have submitted themselves, whether consciously or unconsciously, to be used by the devil. And hence why our battle cannot be in the flesh. Okay? All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. And I want us to just ask God this morning, Lord, open my eyes to see. Open my eyes to see. The supernatural life that you have called me to live. I ask for seeing eyes. I ask for hearing ears. If there's anyone who needs to, you know, just repent before God this morning. Maybe some of the things we've spoken about are your recurrent realities. Do you want to just talk to him now? Um, everyone online as well. And you're saying, Lord, here I am. Just fix me. Fix me. I have been chasing after the wrong things. I have been posturing as a giant when indeed and truly I've been empty. I've been dealing with emptiness for a while now. But putting up a frisk and a front on the outside. Lord, I ask that today you would help me, save me, refresh me, pour out your spirit upon me. Lord, I want to live the supernatural life you have called me to. I want to fully manifest the dimensions of your spirit and your power, of your wisdom in all that I do. I refuse to continue to function in human understanding and with human strategies. Lord, I submit myself to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Save me, oh God. Save me. If there be anywhere that I am currently lacking in spiritual strength and stamina, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you refresh me. Refresh me. Would, that, would you make that your declaration? Uh, Paul will say, he will pray for the, for, for the church in Ephesus, and he will say, for this cause, I bow my knees. Uh, let me just read it. I think it's Ephesians chapter 1. Yes. Yes. It says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Would you make that your prayer this morning? The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. Being enlightened is continuous. Continuous. So that you are declaring in this month of June. You enjoy enlightened, enlightenment. You enjoy seeing eyes. You operate from a place of seeing eyes. In the name of Jesus. You operate with seeing eyes. You 
operate with sin as the eyes of your understanding are flooded. They are flooded with light in the name of Jesus. He says that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? Would you begin to declare a manifestation of the dimension of power in all that you do? In the name of Jesus, that you will not be ordinary. The product of your life will not be ordinary. In the name of Jesus, you will move from that place of suboptimal performance at work, in your business, in the works of your hands, in your family relationships. You are no longer suboptimal. You start to operate from a place of supernatural living where you enjoy divine insight. You enjoy foresight. In the name of Jesus, Mando Koso Rabanda liba kasata labaya bosetobaya. Someone needs to open up their hearts and say, Holy Spirit, I receive you this morning. I receive you this morning. I open up my eyes that you will baptize me afresh. Spirit of God, pour upon my heart. Spirit of God, pour upon my heart. I receive joy. I receive peace in the name of Jesus. As I go through the month of June, I enjoy divine guidance. I am marvelously helped. Mando kuzati. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. We're going to take some declarations very quickly and we'll wrap up the service. Can we have this declaration up on screen, please? Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare that I am a spirit born of the spirit and I possess the nature of God. The Spirit of God dwells in me, influences me. You have got to make this declaration like you believe it. The Spirit of God dwells in me, influences me, empowers me, guides me, conditions me, and expresses God's capabilities through me. I live beyond my five senses and outside the realm of human knowledge because I am supernatural and I live every day supernatural. My life is governed, directed and influenced by the divine nature and supernatural capabilities. I sense the invisible, I hear the inaudible, and I dare the impossible, all according to my supernatural nature. My supernatural nature manifests in big things, in ordinary things, in every area of my life, because I am supernatural. Divine wisdom, power, peace, patience, love, and joy are parts of my divinity. And I manifest them daily. I am not limited in expression, growth, and manifestation by economic conditions, medical sciences, political systems, and financial systems because I am supernatural.
and I live every day supernatural. I am resilient, creative, perceptive, full of power, and strong in character in a way that ordinary humans cannot perform. When people encounter me, interact with the works of my hands, and try to analyze my life, they perceive divinity because I am supernatural and I live every day supernatural. I am supernatural and I live every day supernatural. I am not normal because Christ dwells in me. The Spirit of God dwells in me. Would you put your hands together and just celebrate Jesus? Hallelujah! Amen. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.